Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you know that Christmas is not just a day? Right? Mm-hmm. Christmas is, is an event. Christmas um, was an explosive event that changed the world. And though we recognize it historically, 2,000 years ago, as I was reminded of while speaking to a dear brother in Christ this morning, when things of God happen in the world, they happen eternally. Things happen before they even happen because God had already deemed it so. Amen? We had another brother who was, who was taking an exam for a driving test. And he said, Pastor, pray for me. I have a driving test that I passed. I said, you already passed. He said, amen. And sure enough, he came back later on in the week. He said, Pastor, I passed. I said, I already know. And that's the way it is with God. Amen. That's the way it is with God. In your bulletin, you'll find a flyer. Well, the next couple of weeks, we'll have these flyers. These are meant to invite somebody to our Hallelujah Christmas. All right. So if um, you want to take a snapshot of it, English or Spanish, on the front or back, and text message your friends and family and invite them to a wonderful time of fellowship and a time of rejoicing and celebration here at the mission where we'll enjoy wonderful uh, musical performances and a reading of scripture as it pertains to the birth story of Jesus. Amen? So don't forget um, and don't miss um, that wonderful event. Those who were not here last week, we collected our pledge promises for missions. And guess what? We are close to $20,000 in pledges for missions. All right? We're close to $20,000. Our goal was to raise $30,000 in pledges or promises to the Lord to support our missions giving throughout the year. We're not there yet, but we have a few weeks to, to receive these pledge cards, all right, from you or your family. Um, we pray that, that you will continue to take this home. If you haven't joined in yet, please pray about it and ask the Lord how you might support our missions giving. We'll be um, putting these pledge cards in the bulletins for the remainder of uh, the year through the end of December, okay? Um, so we invite you to be a part of that. And my lovely wife, Pastor Boomy wanted me to let you know that in your bulletin on the inside page, you can see the ticket numbers of the raffle winners from last week. Um, uh, All the proceeds from the raffle tickets um, are going towards our mission's um, support as well. So you can see your ticket number for those who purchase your raffles right here, and you can contact us, and we'll make sure that you can redeem your ticket for your prize. Amen? Uh, we had a wonderful time. The, the month of, of November um, uh, just exploding um, and bringing great awareness to missions. Um, missions is one of the great, the most kept secrets sometimes in churches all around the world. Okay, Because the work of missions is happening in some, um, in some cases in some remote locations around the world and, and don't get the attention that that they need. And not that they need attention, except for the fact that the churches like us here in the United States of America are called to, um, to raise the support that is needed. 
the much-needed financial support to encourage our missionaries for what they are doing. And missions, after all, is only following Jesus Christ, who was the first missionary. Wasn't Jesus the first missionary? God became a man. What does that mean? It means that God came to us. And that's what missions is. And Jesus was missional. And he was the incarnate word. Word in the flesh. Somebody say God in the flesh. And so God came to us and he found us. He found us. He found you. Not just humanity, but he found you. And he found me. And he continues to find his people who are living in darkness. God shines his bright light and brings warmth to the world. Would you join me in prayer as we usher in the presence of the Holy Spirit at this moment as we turn to the Word? We're going to ask the Lord to fill our hearts and our minds with thoughts about Christ that elicit joy and peace and love. And a word that is not mentioned much in the Bible, but it's important too. Happiness. Yesterday, my, my daughter and I drove around the neighborhood stopping at every front lawn who had Christmas lights up. And it brought such a smile to our face, our faces. Even Lola wanted to jump out of our truck and go and help fix one of those blow up Santas that was stuck in the grass. Let's pray. Father God, we love you, Lord, and we thank you. And Lord, as we anticipate the birth of Christ, as we anticipate, O oh Lord, your coming into the world as a man, as a, our Savior, as our Redeemer, Lord, we prepare ourselves. We prepare our homes. We prepare, Father God, our families. We prepare, Lord Jesus, our surroundings for the advent, the coming of Messiah. So, Lord, open our minds and open our hearts and open our spiritual eyes that we would see wonderful things in your word today. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, and everybody said, amen, amen. Didn't that make you excited?
And that's what the birth of Christ is all about. A much anticipated coming of events. The time of Christmas is all about the signs and wonders of Jesus. A time in the world where joy fills the air. Smiles are found on people's faces where otherwise you would always find frowns. Even Ebenezer Scrooge had his life turned upside down with the joy of the birth of Christ. Let us not get lost in the commercialism of Christmas, but help us to place our focus on the birth of Christ. Jesus is the reason for the season. You may be thinking, why are we talking about Christmas at the beginning of December? Because it's already Christmas. It was already Christmas before. We just, the church has a wonderful way of reminding ourselves of what the main thing is all about. Right, Pastor Dozier? And that is so important to our faith. It's why parents have to constantly remind their kids to do the same things over and over and over and over again because it's in the repetition that the magic happens in the life of a child. It's in repetition that the magic happens in the classrooms of schools all around the world. Teachers have to remind students of the fundamentals of learning and education until they're able to learn and capture and possess the very principles and things that are being taught to them. We have to be reminded, and oh, we as people, we are the most stubborn of all. We're the only, we're the only creation that failed to continue to live out our purpose and our identity in our existence because of sin. Because of our conscience was aware of knowledge and sin and because of the fall of man we were the ones that God had to send his son to this earth in order that we might be redeemed in order that we might be forgiven can I hear an amen, amen. and that is what this Christmas season is all about it's about reminding ourselves and one another that Jesus Christ became a man and was born of a virgin and came to this earth to forgive the sins of the world and bring us back into a right relationship with God. Hallelujah. You can clap right there, church. It'll warm your hands up. A hope, a childlike faith, the feelings that we experience are very similar to the faithful in the Bible, the feelings that we have as we move towards Christmas, as we move towards the birth of Christ, are very similar to the feelings that the faithful had in the Bible who were anticipating the birth of Messiah. And what I hope to do today is connect the Old Testament with the New Testament 
and bring them together like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like a bean and cheese burrito. Like cafe con leche. Like arroz con leche. I want to bring the old and the new together so that we can understand and we can leave from this place ready and prepared to bring the spark. Somebody say the spark. The spark of Jesus wherever we go. Hallelujah. Because those who were faithful in the Old Testament had not yet seen Messiah. They had only foretold the story and the prophecies of Messiah. That Messiah was coming. But guess what? In their telling of the story of Messiah's advent or his coming, guess what was happening? He was already existing. He was already coming into being. In other words, Jesus as Messiah was already part of the imagination of Israel. It was already part of the creative story and the creative narrative in God's story, in the biblical story of who Jesus is. They were already seeing him. They were already having visions of him. There was already stories being told of what Messiah would do and how he would come and what he would come to do. I hope hope I'm I'm, I'm able to, to piece together for you this process. We're in process right now, you guys. Like a baby that's in the womb of a mother, the baby is in process. The baby is in process, you guys. We're in process right now. Can I hear an amen? So we're connecting. Today we're going to connect the Old Testament scriptures of Israel to the coming of the Messiah in the New Testament. And in doing so, there's a mystique even for us in the faith. There's There's a mystery about it. As I was driving to church today, I was talking with my son Judah, and I was explaining to Judah the mystery of the birth of Jesus, and that that is where our faith begins. Our faith begins in the impossible. Our faith begins, you guys, in the miracle of the birth of Christ. That's where our faith begins. Oh, but but it can't be proven by science. Oh, yes, it can, because God created science. Science was never, science was never be able to catch up to God. It just does its best to explain what God has already done. That's important for us as believers. That our cross is firmly established in the story of Jesus. The story of Jesus. And as I was telling Judah the story, his eyes were lighting up. As I I connected the Old Testament to the New Testament for Judah. That's what God does for us. Except, guess what? We're on this side of his birth. We're on this side of Christ. We're on this side of grace. So we can testify it to it all the more. And just as the coming of Messiah was for the the faithful in the Old Testament that were speaking and prophesying and speaking the birth of Messiah into existence. You see what see what just happened? 
The prophecies spoke Messiah into existence. Just as that has taken place for us in Scripture, guess what? We are also in that same context because Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. It's called the blessed hope. And the blessed hope is that, yes, after Jesus came and he died for the sin of the world and he reconciled us unto the Father, guess what? He ascended to the throne and the Bible says that he will come again for his church. And it's in that blessed hope and it's in the second coming of Christ that we have to, again, live in that same anticipation. We have to live in that same anticipation of the coming of Christ a second time to rapture his church and to bring those who are both dead in Christ and alive in Christ unto the Father. That's important for us to, to connect these things. That's a part of our theology, it's a part of our doctrine, and it's a part of the prophecies of what will also come to pass. Sadly, we the church, because we've, we've already got our hands in the cookie jar, we, we've experienced grace and salvation, and we've seen what Jesus did for us on the cross, and we're 2,000 years from that on the back end. Well, guess what? We become complacent. We become comfortable. We don't, we don't have a sense of urgency anymore. Oh, God already did it for me. I'm, I'm thankful. I'm, I'm great. I'm good. Let me just go on living my life because life is hard, you know, and let me just lick my wounds a little bit and let me just feel sorry for myself a little bit more and let me just sit down a little bit like this. No, but Jesus is coming again, and God has called us to spread the news, to share the love, and to let our light shine for Jesus. God's called us to let our light shine for Jesus. Because there are people who are still living in darkness. There are people who still need to be comforted. There are people who still need to be consoled. There are people who are still dying as we speak, who are living in desperation Minute after minute after minute after minute. And they don't know the hope and the joy and the peace and the love that you know. Amen. They need you to connect them to it. They need you and I and the church to connect them to it. Can I hear an amen? amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And that's why Christmas is such a wonderful reminder. I don't care if it's not December 25th. That's the day that the church has chosen to celebrate and to explode this great miracle and this great, this great thing that God has done for us. We'll pick that day and we're going to celebrate that day because we need to be reminded Every year, a child or even one of us who are like children at heart. How many of you still love your birthday? Oh, my dad. Y'all know Pastor Isaac. He starts sending out text messages like a month early. He starts sending out, you know, the, the, the what, do they, what do they call it? The vibe in the universe a, a month earlier. My mom, and then my mom, she's like, his ambassador, she's, you know, she's his, his, his advocate, you know, she's texting the whole family, well, you know, Papa would really like and what Papa could really use. And 
We already know what that means. It means that my dad is getting excited about his birthday. 73-year-old man excited about his birthday. Hey, why not? Why not? Just like a child, Lola's already, she just had a birthday. She just turned six. Judah just turned 14, my son. Lola, my daughter. And guess what? Lola's already talking about what she wants for next year. Man, I kind of like that, though. But guess what? Uh, for, for our birthdays, any one of our birthdays, you know, it comes and it goes. But the birth of Christ... It doesn't come and go. Hallelujah. It's every day. It's every hour. It's every minute. It's all the time. The life of a Christian should be saturated with that great knowledge and faith. And not let go of it. Hallelujah. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 2 verse 25 through 35. We are going to read a portion of scripture that I, I know is going to bless your heart today. This is a portion of scripture that is important for the church. If you have it there in your Bible, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Are you all ready? Let's go to the word of God. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. Who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. He was at church. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, they were dedicating Jesus at the temple, you guys. They were presenting him to the Lord. They were anointing him with oil, just like we do. Simeon took him in his arms, and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Let's continue, verse 36. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of 
Fanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old, and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at the very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. Hallelujah. What did we just read? We read about how a man named Simeon had been visited by the Lord and had received a vision that he himself in the flesh would actually carry and see the birth of this Christ child. A person who we would call one of the faithful. And this is where we receive the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. And perseverance means that you hold on you don't let go. It means you have a grip on whatever it is that you are hoping for. Perseverance comes from the Greek word hupomone, which means steadfast faith. It's a kind of a, a commitment that my father always liked to depict as a pit bull on a, on a pork chop. It won't let it go. Simeon and Anna, too, in the New Testament, were a part of the story of Christ, actually the fulfillment of Christ. And the words that they spoke connect us to Old Testament prophecies now that we're going to go and take a look at. So turn in your Bible to the, to the book of Isaiah. Go to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. And we're going to talk about this prophecy that the prophet Isaiah some 700 years before Jesus was already talking about. Now, do you know anybody? Do you know the story of anybody in your family 700 to 800 years ago? Heck no. The best you can do is follow your, your family's name, your coat of arms, on, or, or go to Ancestry.com. Find out uh, the, the bits and pieces of your, your, your genetic and makeup. But you, you probably don't know many stories about your ancestors. Well, just imagine that. Some seven year, 700 years before Jesus was actually born, Isaiah was speaking about Israel. And this imagination of the Messiah that we had talked about. This speaking into existence, the birth of, of Messiah and what he would do. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus had a purpose. Jesus had a purpose, you guys, and so do you. Look what it says in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 and 2. Comfort, O oh comfort my people, says the Lord. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received the Lord's hand double for all her sins. 
Notice the command here at verse 1. Comfort. Comfort. Another word for comfort is to console. To console. How many of us like to be comforted or consoled when bad things happen? I know I do. I love a big hug when times are tough. I'm, I'm, a, I'm really affectionate, Boomy could tell you. I'm touchy-feely. I like hugs and kisses. and I mean, you, she can't give me enough. Isaiah is speaking about the comfort or the consolation of Israel. Let's go now to Isaiah 52 verse 9. Isaiah 52 verse 9. So we're, we're skipping forward about 12 chapters in the same Old Testament a prophetic book. Someone who wrote about Messiah and someone who wrote prophetically about Israel. About what would happen in the people of Israel. Right? In, at some future date. Look what it says in Isaiah 52 9. It says, break forth, shout joyfully together. You waste places of Jerusalem. Oh, the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. Again, these Old Testament prophecies are pointing to a future date. Although they had not yet existed, the people lived as if they were, it was going to happen today. The people lived. And when I say the people, I mean the faithful. Are you faithful? Are you one of the faithful of God? Do we live our lives each day faithful to God, faithful to what he has done, faithful to what he has done for you, and faithful to what he is going to do in us, in our lives, and in the body of Christ? Are we considered the faithful, or are we unfaithful sometimes? Well, if we find ourselves discouraged, if we find ourselves Losing sight of what it is all about. Today, I pray that you allow the Holy Spirit to console you, to comfort you, and to bring you back into a place of warmth. To bring you back into a place of great embrace. To bring you back into a place of knowledge and a place of knowing and a place of firmness and a place of strength and a place of confidence and a place of trust because God loves you and he forgave you of your sin and he died for the sins of the world. And because of that, we can worship him and we can praise him because he's our savior and he's our redeemer and he's our Lord. Hallelujah. The scripture says here in Luke chapter 2 that Simeon calls out and he says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Greek word for consolation or comfort, you guys, is periklesis. Para, which means it's an emphasis or, or emphatic to do something. And then klesis comes from the Greek word kletos, which means to call. So paraklesis comes from parakletos, which is where we get the word the comforter or the Holy Spirit. He's the paraclete. He's the parakletos. And paraklesis means that God comforts, 
that God consoles, that God calls upon Israel. And when you're broken and when you're hurting, God calls out to you. And guess what he does? His call is to come to him. Son, come here. My daughter, come here. The consolation of Israel was fulfilled in the birth of Christ. The comforting of Israel. Watch this. Watch this. The word console or consolation or in Spanish, consolación. Just break the word down a little bit. The word con means with. The word soul means son. To console means to bring light. The consolation of Israel means that God was bringing his light into darkness because darkness had been pervading and darkness had been all over the world and the people had been living in darkness. Before Christ, you guys, we were living in darkness without the knowledge or the salvation that Jesus has offered. Although it was already done, we had not yet walked into it. You got the job before you even asked. God did the healing before he even healed you. God met your financial burden and your financial need before you even had it met. God fixed your problem before you even brought it to him on your knees. He just wants to hear you call out to him. Daddy, yes, mijo, come here. Abba, yes, Joshua, come here. You guys remember me telling the story of one time after a bath, Boomi was combing through Lola's hair, and she was crying, and she has the most tender head of anybody I've ever seen. She cries every single time, right, baby? And that, that day in particular, I was in the other room, and I heard her crying. And she said, I want daddy. I want daddy. I want daddy. And she said, why do you want daddy? And then, I, and then me, I like to ask rhetorical questions like, why do you want daddy? Tell me why you want daddy. And she said, because daddy always makes things better. Paraclesis. God always makes things better. He consoles us. He brings the sun into your life. He brings the sun into our lives. He brings warmth into our reality. He brings light into darkness. Turn to Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to go back a little bit more. I told you we're, 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 we're taking a trip down, down the powerhouses of, of memory lane in the Old Testament prophetic scriptures. You, and you guys need to understand that these scriptures that the Old Testament people, that the ancients were living, you guys were living in, they were actually living by them. And that's why the faithful were referred to the people that never left the promises of God. They never, they never veered from God's promises or his love or living for God because they were rooted in it. And you want to turn your family situation away? Start bringing prayer into your home. 
Start bringing the light of Jesus into your home. Start putting scriptures up on the wall. Start reading Bible. Start reading the Bible when the kids are getting up and getting ready for school so they could see that the light is shining brightly in that home. Don't wait for situations to turn around with your husband or your wife before you start living for Jesus the way he wants you to start living. Bring the light into that darkness. Bring the consolation of Israel with light, console, with warmth. Wow. When I, when I got into that word, my heart just, my mind just, my faith just exploded. I'm like, oh man, that's the message. That God consoles. He brings the light. He brings the sun. He brings and gives us the S-O-N. Who is the true light. And the true embrace of why we celebrate this season of Christmas. In Isaiah chapter 9, look what it says in verses 1 and 2. For those who study the Bible, you know that Isaiah 9 is one of the famous Christmas messianic prophecies. And when I say words like messianic, it just means when it's speaking about Messiah. And whenever I say Messiah, if you don't know what Messiah means, just know that it means the same thing as Christ. Messiah means Christ. It's just two different language forms. Messiah comes from the Hebrew form of, of Christ, which means anointed one. And Christ comes from the Greek word Christos, which means the same thing, anointed one. So Messiah and Christ mean the same thing which for any of us who are listening and paying attention, now we understand that Christ wasn't Jesus' last name. It was who he was. Jesus, son of Joseph of Nazareth, was his name and his last name. That's his surname, Josephson. His name would have been, you know, here in America, his name would have been Joshua Josephson. Right? Or in our, our, our Latin culture, Jesus de Jose. You like that? Not that many people in English name their sons Jesus, though. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Look what it says right here. Chapter 9, verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom. For those who were in distress, in the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. All that, it'll have meaning to you if you come to Wednesday night Bible study because we're going to be going really, really deep into these Old Testament scriptures in the next several Wednesdays, English or Spanish. And I don't have time to go into the depth right here of these locations and these places or these peoples, but we will. But I just want to highlight something right quick. Look what it says. It says, in the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, just giving us a context and a location. But in the future, he will honor, the, honor Galilee of the Gentiles. And, and Galilee is where Jesus is from. He's from Nazareth. Although he was born in Bethlehem, Bethlehem was the place that his father Joseph was from. And if anybody knows Joseph's lineage or his, his genealogy, he comes from the line of David. And we all know that David was from what city? Say it again, Bethlehem, Bethlehem, house of bread, okay? So Jesus' lineage comes through David, King David's lineage, and it goes all the way back to Bethlehem, which is the city of David. It's also referred to as the city of David or the house of bread, 
okay? And it wasn't a popular city. It wasn't a very populated city. Actually, it was on the outskirts of Israel, very, very far, which in, in, in current day Palestine, actually. Bethlehem is in Palestine. It's actually outside of the borders of Israel, all right? And there's mostly Arabic people there speaking Arabic, but there's lots of Christians, lots of people there in that, that place of Bethlehem. So Jesus is born in Bethlehem, but he is from, he was raised in Nazareth because that's where Joseph and Mary had lived, and that's where they were raising Jesus the first couple uh, years of his life. Then they went to Egypt, right, to escape Herod. I'm giving you a history lesson. I love history. To escape King Herod because he said, kill all the male boys that are, that are being born, the sons of Rachel. We're all killed. The sons of Rachel were all killed and slain. So they fled to Egypt. And Jesus was raised in Egypt for the next four years of his life in North, North Africa. So Africa is a part of Jesus' upbringing. But we need to see that right here, this, this prophecy of Isaiah is referring to the, the land of Galilee. Because the Sea of Galilee at the top on the north side of the shore is where Nazareth was. And many Gentiles lived there and mixed in with the Jews as well. So it was a multicultural location, a multicultural place. Are you guys tracking with me, church? I hope you're enjoying this stuff. Is this helpful for you? I hope that you're, you're filing all these little tad bits and pieces of information and knowledge because it will strengthen your faith as you run parallel the story of the Bible with the story in history. It's all consistent, and it runs parallel throughout this whole thing. Then what it says, it says, by the way of the sea along the Jordan, verse 2, chapter 9 of, of Isaiah, the people walking in darkness have seen a great, somebody say consolation, a great light, a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned, a console, a consolation. This Isaiah, as I'm reminding us, was written some seven, eight hundred years before Jesus. And what the prophecy was speaking about was the fact that the birth of Christ was going to bring a full circle fulfillment of what God had been saying through his people and through his spokespersons and his prophets and through the ancient scriptures. That's why our ancient scriptures that we have here in the Bible, as Brother Ray likes to call it, our library, 66 books in, in the library that God has given to you called the Bible. Somebody said, I don't really have a library. You got one right here. 66 books that you can refer to. And in these 66 books, you can find life. In these 66 books, you can find prosperity. You can find the formula for how to, how to be successful right here in the word of God. Amen. Am I right, brothers and sisters? Amen. It's right here in, in the scriptures. In the scriptures. So we see right here that Isaiah was consistent and he was in line with other prophets before him and after him, that were pointing to the birth of Christ. Amen. And what is the birth of Christ? What does it mean to you guys? Go ahead, call it out. Salvation, what else? Redemption, what else? Love, new beginnings, what else? Grace, what else? 
Freedom. What else? Hope. Restoration. Forgiveness. Whatever it is that you were suffering from, whatever it is that had us, God has delivered us and has saved us. And that is your salvation that you have received through Jesus Christ because he has given you the permission to be blessed. He has given you the permission to no longer be a slave to sin or to be living in bondage. And that's what it meant for Israel. Everything that you just said right now is what it meant for Israel. Deliverance. Hope. So we find ourselves right now in the middle of the anticipation of the birth of Christ. Don't dumb it down. Don't say, oh, it was 2,000 years ago. This is not the real thing. This is the real thing. Amen. This is the real thing. Amen. That's the urgency, and that is the, 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 the faith that you and I have to live by. Because if you soften it, you no longer have power. If you take away from it, you are now defeated. You're defeating yourself. When you don't live in the faith that God has given to you to conquer any situation that you're experiencing. It's this consolation that God has already done it. God's already done it. It's this anticipation that you have to choose. I'm going to say this again. You got to choose it because it won't just happen for you. Isn't that right? Because you'll get tested every day. The enemy's going to come after you. He's going to come after us. And you have to choose him every day. You have to say yes to Jesus every day. And there's a reason why I like to refer to this as the, the great anticipation as opposed to the expectation. With anticipation, there's this hope. There's this good energy that you have. There's this excitement that you have spiritually that you live with. And you live, you live in this, this place of, of knowing that God has already done it and he'll do it again. And every day I simply have to trust and have faith that he's going to do it again. As opposed to the word expectation because expectation will disappoint you. Imagine if the faithful of the Old Testament who were already living, uh, uh, anticipating Messiah, Imagine if they, had, if they had lived by under this process of expectation and it didn't happen in their lifetime or they're going to the end of their life and it hasn't happened yet. We have a tendency, don't we, if we expect something and it doesn't happen, to be disappointed, right? Amen. Oh, I was expecting or, you know, I had this great expectation, it didn't happen and now I'm disappointed. The faithful died with anticipation, because anticipation does not disappoint. Because anticipation means that you are still living in the hope. 
Because when hope is not yet fulfilled, it is just as powerful as when somebody is continuing to look for it and wait for it and hope for it. If you die in, in hope, you die with that wonderful sense of it's coming. That's why when the saints die in Christ, there should be celebration. Because the saint is confident in where they are going and whom the, to whom they belong. And those that they leave behind should also have the knowledge and the, and the comfort and the confidence that their loved one died in Christ, died in hope, died in anticipation. Can I hear an amen? Conversely, those who die without Christ die without hope. Die without the confidence. Die without the great anticipation. Die without the things that God has given to us, his children. So this Christmas season, let us live with a sense of anticipation. Almost like bottle it up. And start getting ready for the birth of Jesus. Bottle it up. And don't despise buying presents for your kids and, and buying presents for loved ones to show them how much you love them. Because the presents are just a representation of the gifts that the wise men gave to Jesus. And the lights are a representation of the star that led the wise men to the feet of Jesus. And the reasons why we, we add all these things to this season that we call Christmas is simply to add to and remind us of what it is all about. And it is about Jesus. Amen.